Welcome to Purifying Truths with Ace Star. Today, I have the pleasure of presenting to some and introducing to others, Mr. Antoine Thurston. Welcome to Purifying Truths. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. I'm wonderful. I'm enjoying myself. Um, and it's a privilege to be on this platform. Oh, it is an honor to have you on. For those of you that don't know, Mr. Thurston was born in Washington. Not D.C., but Washington State. And he was raised right in Florida. Antoine went to our beloved FAMU and became part of the fabulous Marching 100 Rattlers. He was at FAMU for a short period, and it was then that he moved on and earned his bachelor's degree in theology from Broward Theological University. He didn't stop there. He kept working and earned his master's degree. Again, this was in theology, and you would think that that was the end, but not for Mr. Thurston. Mr. Thurston continued. He is a doctor, people. He has earned his doctorate degree in theology from Jacksonville, Theological Seminary, and he earned it just this May of 2020. Congratulations. Hats off to you, Mr. Thurston. Thank you. Thank you. It's a privilege. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mr. Thurston has been preaching the gospel since 2013. He's a licensed, ordained elder. He's a mentor and a mighty man of God. Once again, welcome to Purifying Truths. Mr. Thurston, we're going to jump right in here. Please tell us a little bit about your childhood and growing up. I'm sure definitely. Um, I, like you said, I was born in Tacoma, Washington. Um, but I was actually, my cousin, my father was in the military. Um, I was born in that area. But I was born actually three months premature, and I only weighed two pounds. Um, back in those days, you know, being premature there was a, a slight, you know, um, incline of babies passing. And so, so some of the belief was that I might not make it, you know, but because of my grand, my grandmother telling my mother that I would live, you know, my, my grandmother instilled that faith in my mother that, you know, God will, will cause her son to, to thrive. And it's the mm -hmm. faith of my grandmother that I believe I'm here today, you know, um, Indeed. And, my, and my childhood was filled with, you know, Praying women, praying mothers. My mother um, was actually was actually um, a, a pastor's child, you know, a preacher's mm. kid. Mm -hmm, definitely, and also my dad, he was a deacon's kid. So okay, I come from okay. a, um, both lines of the family for preachers, ministers, deacons, those in the church and the ministry. Uh, but at the same time, you know, sometimes just because people are brought up in the church and raised in the church doesn't mean they're always. You know, we all sin and fall short, but my dad had a tendency to be verbally, verbally abusive, uh, which did affect us. Uh, mm -hmm. Even it affected my my other sibling, my sister, 
affected my mother uh, drastically um, to the point sometimes where she would retaliate in the same manner that my dad would, would use. My dad would use a lot of profanity um, and she would begin to use profanity just to be safe. And sometimes mm-hmm. we become we become like our oppressor, we become like our environment. We become hateful. We become bitter just to get by. You know, sometimes we don't know how to cope with what we're going through. So we become like the one that's oppressing us. Uh, but my, at the same time, my father was still very loving. He had his struggles like um, anyone. You know, my mother had her, her struggle, but she was really in the church following after the Lord. And she kind of just had to deal with it. And so that was basically my childhood. My mother being that spiritual anchor, my father being the, 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 the natural provider. Wow, that is amazing. You know, what I love about your childhood was that you had a praying grandma. I tell you, it makes a difference. It definitely makes a difference. And you are living proof that we have to speak life. We really, truly do have the power of life and death in our tongues. And we have to choose life as your grandmother did. What a wonderful example that because of her, giving your mother the courage, the faith and speaking life over you that we have the pleasure of communing with you this day. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Tell us please, what experience in your childhood would you attribute to the man you've become today? I mean, looking at statistics, (laughs) you, you shouldn't have graduated high school, but yet you've earned your doctorate. (laughs) <laughs> yes, um, I, I definitely will attribute uh, my father played a great part. Um, my dad was very a disciplinarian. Um, you know, he, he he always, you know, even when as a young child reading, he always instilled us reading and not being idle. You know, idle is not something I'm really into. You know, I'll mm-hmm. watch a little TV, but I don't like to just watch TV like, like, like binge watching. I'll say it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like to stay productive because of what my dad instilled into me about reading and being a productive citizen, being productive, you know, uh, uh, broadening your horizons, you know, not staying in the same mold. Um, and that attributes to what I do today, you know, just being open to more things and other people's interpretations of, of life, um, theolo- theologically or philosophically or any other way, but also, you know, physically. My dad always also instilled into me to exercise and take care of my body. You know, when I was in middle school, I, I had gained a significant amount of weight. And he said, you know, I can't have you walking around here overweight and obese. you got to work out and take care of your body. So I still carry that with me today as a man, 32 years old. I still work out to go to the gym. I drink my green tea. I drink mm-hmm. a lot of water. And I do my best to maintain my body weight. And actually now I'm trying to lose a little extra weight. My doctor said, I just need to lose it. But health, my dad promoted health um, and, you know, spirituality. And also he promoted, you know, uh, preparing myself for what God has for me. He always said, Antoine, prepare yourself for, you know, when the door opens, you want to be ready. And so I'm always preparing my mind, preparing my body, preparing my thoughts for what I'm going to do next. So I'm always in preparation for the next level. You know, when it came to my mom, she was always spirit, the more spiritual, spiritually anchored person. And so a lot of my guidance and, and advice came from her and so forth. So having that now, 
um, it has definitely grounded me. It has definitely grounded me to, to prepare myself, to think most methodically about things I'm going to do, stay healthy, exercise, um, and keep my eyes on the Lord. Wonderful, wonderful. You know, I just love the message that you portray of being productive productive and not growing stagnant, especially in this time of COVID and in this century that we're in, this electronic age, you know, it's all about TV, uh, smart this, smart that, you know, video games. Um, mm -hmm. I love that, you know, you preach and you live by not becoming stagnant. And I love that you take, it's not just spirit, mind, and body mm -hmm. of course your soul as well but how you make sure that you're taking care of everything because it is important you know I, obviously i'm in the medical field i'm a nurse and it's so important that you know we don't go to heaven before our time because you know we're, we're not living mm -hmm. a healthy lifestyle let's mm -hmm. just put it that way so mm -hmm. definitely um love the fact that you're cognizant and pay attention to your health and teach others to do the same thing. So, you know, in Florida, FAMU is the place to be. Understand that you spent some time on the Hill. Tell us a little bit about your experience at FAMU and being on the Rattlers. Um, it was it was different, definitely different from high school band. Um, it did have its hazing. Uh, um, you know, there were some different experiences I had. I enjoyed those experiences, um, um, meeting new people, being independent, you know, especially as a freshman, freshman, you know, uh, being a part of the March 100 was definitely an experience, an enjoyable experience. You know, it, like any experience, there are ups and downs to it. Mm -hmm. Some people have a more traumatic experience than others, um, but mine wasn't that bad. Um, like I said, there was a little hazing, but it wasn't torturous or anything uh, some of it was really kind of fun, <laughs> um, and some of it was was a little demeaning, but it, it was never to the point where I wanted to report or quit. You know, as far as the marching band, it was just hard work. You know, I lost mm -hmm. about, about 20 pounds just marching, um, and I got really, really skinny just marching with the March 100, but it was a, a, a it was a, an extravagant experience. You know, I love the band. I still love the band to this day. Um, my mm -hmm. band director is from FAMU. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Um, but it was it was a great experience. You know, it's very um, country. I'll say out there. You know, it's not <laughs> as much to do in the in the in the in the city, but it, it's a nice place if you want to. You know, go out and meet different people, and you know, it was a good experience. Wow! Wow! Um, what obstacles have you overcome in this journey that we call life? And how did you overcome them? Wow, that's that takes a list. Um, <laughs> you know, I had, you know, I've I, I dealt with depression. I've dealt with low self-esteem. Um, I've struggled with identity. I've struggled with just making the right decisions as a young man in my early, in my early twenties. Um, I've even been exposed to witchcraft. You know, mm -hmm. witch block. Um. And lack of direction, but I, I have overcome them. And the way I've overcome them, one is, you know, putting my faith, all my faith in God, you know, and turning to him for my hope, you know, 
and my purpose. But also I had to also learn how I overcome all those things also is to take evaluation, do self-reflection on myself, um, evaluate who I am, where I am, where I'm at, um, and make adjustments and changes. You know, you can't change your direction if you don't acknowledge the direction you're going is wrong. Mm. You know, I had to do that in my life in order to change where I was going in my life. Um, and until we we confront an issue, we can't fix the issue. Um, and I just, you know, trusting God, making adjustments, and also being open to constructive criticism. And I think now that I'm 32 years old, I look over my life, I wish I would have been more patient with God in the process um, to get where I am now. I believe there are things I would not have experienced or gone through if I would have been more patient. Not that it wasn't God's will, but sometimes we move so fast or we're trying to get to our destination so fast, um, we, we get in accidents. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's definitely what I believe is, is how I overcame that is truly profound self-evaluation we definitely can't get off the right path if we don't know that we're i mean off the wrong path if we don't know that we're on the wrong path so truly it is important to evaluate ourselves. and i love how you said constructive criticism my mom used to say something to me that i thought was the weirdest thing but she would say you know you always take the watermelon you eat the watermelon and you spit out the seeds. And so she was comparing that to criticism. You know, you take what's for you because you know what part of it applies to you. And then what doesn't, you know, that's kind of irrelevant. You don't need to use it. But how you use that constructive criticism, even to realize that, you know, maybe you could have used a little bit more patience or you could have did things a little differently is more than phenomenal. Mm-hmm. definitely something that we all can learn to do, not just now, but even in the future, you know, to constantly evaluate ourselves to make sure that we're on the right path. And if not, that we can course correct. Mm-hmm. Definitely. definitely. Wonderful. Wow. What a message. What a message. Now, understanding that you started off uh, at FAM but then you decided to go to theological school. When was it that you knew, like in your heart of hearts, that you were to become a servant of God, a minister? Actually, I knew it in the ninth grade. Mm. Um, gave my life to Christ during the summers, during summer, going transitioning into high school. Um, and then, you know, you know, in my first year of high school, you know, you're trying to figure out what you're going to do with your career. And there was, I always had this this deep desire to just do something for God. And then one day I was at a revival with this evangelist, because back then you used to do like two-week revivals, you know, mm-hmm. old school revival, two-week revival, revival be two weeks, especially during Christmas holidays. And this revival, old school revival came in, revivalist came in, started preaching and ministering the word of God with power. And it's like when I saw him in the pulpit, I knew exactly what I was supposed to do with my life. I knew my purpose. I knew why God created me. And that's that's when I knew it. I knew I was supposed to be a preacher, a minister. Mm. Uh, it's just something I knew ever since that moment. 
there's sometimes there are divine moments where God will just reveal things to you through a person, through a situation, through a circumstance, or intimately while you're in your quiet time with him. But that was the, my defining moment when I knew. Um, and so, you know, even though I went to FAMU, I always, even as I went to FAMU, I always knew that I had a calling and God would call me to ministry. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, it is wonderful to see that you're walking in the steps that were ordered for you, that you are answering the calling of God on your life. And just please explain to us the challenges that you may have found in taking that route, because obviously it's not the most popular route to take. And then, of course, share with us how it's rewarding. Yes, definitely. Um, you know, it, it is a, it's not an easy route to take. You know, I remember when I first started actually ministering and answered the call in 2013, um, people came up to me saying, you know, Antoine, be careful who you're going to hang around. Be careful of the influences, um, people you, that are influencing you, you know, and even there were others that were, had been in it longer than me that were telling me, Antoine, you can't be around around certain people just because they have a title or position or, or ministry because they have bad influence. Um, the, the upside to it is, you know, there is a, there is, you know, you do get called to preach and minister, but it's, it's not, it's not a profession. It's a calling. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And with me, you know, I did notice certain women that wouldn't pay any mind to me until I became a minister. You know, mm-hmm. you know, which was awkward for me because I was like, you know, I tried to be nice and cordial to them and they kind of just shut me off, you know. But when I became a minister and started preaching, they were all in my face asking me if I could cook, asking me about this, you know, and they, they switched up really fast. So I learned something throughout those years, even now, that some people and not just women, some people are attracted to power, position and money and fame. And attracted to you for the wrong reasons and not who you really are. But then, you know, as I walked in that calling, you know, I also understood that everybody can't receive the word of God. And everybody's mm-hmm. not going to be receptive to the message. Um, and I can't take, and you have to learn to not take things personal as a messenger for the Lord. You have to speak what he wants you to speak, say what he wants you to say, um, and, 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 and leave the results to him. But I would say the the most, I think the greatest criticism I ever received was from my family members, specifically my mother and my uncle, who's a pastor in Atlanta and other individual, was to don't just preach, but preach with a certain gentleness. Give people hope. Um, be more tender in your, your, your um, delivery. And in the end, and so learning that helped me so much to grow as a minister, as a preacher. Um, I used to be very sharp, very sharp, and at times be a doom and gloom preacher that I was just passionate about God. And even though I still am very passionate and I preach, you know, you have to preach the whole counsel of God, heaven, hell, sin, righteousness, grace, mercy, love, but just taking that criticism from them, that loving criticism and going to God about it as God to help me has tremendously 
helped me to be more empathetic towards other individuals and compassionate and seeing people the way God really sees them. So growth is the most important thing I can say to a minister. You have to be willing to grow. You have to be willing to take constructive criticism. Um, and your theology shouldn't stay the same. You know, my theology has grown tremendously since 2013. My thinking, my perception, my perspective is not as rigid. It is more open. Um, um, it is more solid. It is more stable. And so if a person doesn't grow, you know, you're stagnant. And so mm -hmm. that's what I would say when it comes to my calling and those also that are listening to this. Well, we all understand that um, you are not a man of stagnant stagnation. I think that's how you say it. You are not a man that is stagnant. Let's word it that mm -hmm. way. Um, mm -hmm. And as you're doing all of the wonderful things that God has called you to do, I love the fact that you keep keep appearing about that tongue. You know, even when you were saying about what you've learned from ministry, you went right back to the power of the tongue and being more compassionate and being more empathetic. And I believe that God has chosen all of us for such a time as this. You know, we could have been born in the 18th century, but he have us here today because our purpose and our time is now. This is the time that he's able to use us in. And humbly grateful that he's using you to influence and illuminate the world with your gifts. Moving on about gifts, not only are you preaching God's word, but you're a mentor to middle schoolers, and that is the most vulnerable age. Tell me, what message or lessons do you try to impart or do you impart to the middle schoolers that you um, mentor? Um, the message I really do try to impart into them is one, to believe and trust in God, in Jesus Christ, but also to be productive and not to just be on their video games, to not be idle. Sometimes younger people, sometimes they got to really be pushed. You know, sometimes they get out of school, they just want to do certain things or be idle. But I try to push them to be productive. I'll give them assignments to do so their their brain and mind is working you know um and and it helps improve them as an individual i've even um to one i even gave him a workout regimen to just boost his self-esteem you know sometimes the young people don't have um proper um and appropriate views of themselves so you have to boost that that confidence in them not to make them arrogant but you know working out exercising is a great confidence booster um, mm -hmm. It builds confidence. Um, reading builds confidence. So I and I, I I I tell them such things like that to read, you know, and I test and I give them vocabulary words to learn to increase their vocabulary, challenging them. Um, you know, they're young; they're gonna always waver back and forth. You know, I think this is also that that <laughs> age where they're very up and down, up and down. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and we went through that. You know, but you know. I, Consistency is what I want them to get. Consistency is what's going to bring about the change. You can't do something once or twice and think you're going to see change. You have to consistently do it over and over to really see a change. And so that's what I really want to communicate. That one, they have to believe in themselves, believe in God, and put forth the effort and the work to, to, to go where they want to go in life. That is powerful. Productivity 
Absolutely, that is key. And to remain consistent. If we can get that message in our next generation, certainly this world will be a better place. Audience, I just want you to realize we are talking to Antoine. Yes, we now know that he is a doctor. He has a doctor's degree in theology. He's a minister. He's a mentor. But he also is an author. Antoine, please tell us about your book, Bondage and My Freedom. Yes, the book is called My Bondage and My Freedom. From the mental institution to the pulpit, which is the subtitle, um, it 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 conveys, and I talk in my book about having low self esteem, having a distorted view of myself, um, being addicted to pornography, um, being suicidal, um, mm. trying to commit suicidal attempts, as well as being exposed to witchcraft, being in and out of the mental institution. But the purpose of the book is for people to know that regardless of what you go through in life, God is a redeemer. He can restore. He can renew. He can make all things new uh, if we just truly submit to him as we should. Um, and this is really a book of hope. No uh-huh. matter how dark the valley is or how dark our lives are or how much we have sinned against God, God is still a God who wants to reconcile us back to him in spite of what we've done. Wow, that is a beautiful message. And what you've been through, wow. But yet, you're here and have accomplished so many things. Again, hats off to you. We thank you so much for sharing with us today. Please tell us how, I mean, what can we expect next from you? Well, definitely. um, I'm actually now, I'm actually going to be doing some more speaking engagements. I'm actually in some webinars, seminars. That um, debunk some myths, stigmas about mental illness, speaking engagements with the young people to encourage them about life um, and the process of life. I'm also pursuing my Christian counseling certification, life coach, anger management certifications, so I can better help other individuals and people. Then I'm working on a workbook for my book. Um, and other things, you know, as far as mentorship as well. Um, actually, I just became the state coordinator for a mentorship program for young men in our church. So that's that's as well that something that transpired two weeks ago. Um, and so we're doing that. We're doing a lot of positive things. Congratulations. You are definitely using your talents and you are um, illuminating the world. And we thank you for that. Please tell us, how can the audience connect with you? Sure. Um, I'm on social media. Just type in my name, Antoine D. Thurston, and they can reach me also on my website. They can purchase my book, my ebook, and paperback um, on my website. Become a part of my mailing list, emailing list at AntoineDThurston.com. That's A N T O I N E, the letter D T H U R S T O N.com. Amazing. Thank you so very much. Thank you for joining Purifying Truths. It has truly been an honor. Definitely. And it is a privilege to be on this talk show to express myself to you. Yes, sir. Thank you for tuning in to Purifying Truths with A Star. 
Tune in every Saturday at 9 a.m. for exciting new guests who illuminate the world in the various facets of life. Connect with A-Star on Facebook and Instagram at Facets of A-Star. Shine bright.